be in Matthew 28, 1 through 15. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests and all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. If you would, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 28, Tri-Cities Baptist Church. It is great to be with you today. Um, I was pretty pumped that Wes got to read scripture before I prayed because I love that brother. Um, when we were in, in the planting process before we had planted our church, uh, he came to town with Jeff Palmeter and I remember standing in the parking lot of Southside Baptist Church and, uh, where we had parked our trailer and the brother prayed and we had been praying this prayer asking that if, if um, this church ceased to, to exist that they would give us our building man and uh, the Lord answered your prayer and uh, my prayer, and man, praise God for you and your faithfulness, brother. I would just tell you, uh, I am indebted to Tri-Cities Baptist Church. Uh, we love this church. Um, so much of the formation of our church from you sending our church is shaped by your church. We do the family discipleship plan. We've adopted uh, some of your language. Uh, this past summer, I'm sitting in a staff meeting, and... Um, our staff has some concern uh, about a youth mission team that is, is coming to help because we've had youth mission teams come before. And, and there, a lot of times youth mission teams are like mischievous and lazy and are hiding and don't get stuff done. And like weeks later you find like food wrappers in places food never should have been. You know, it's just weird. And I told our staff, I said, listen, if Tri-Cities youth team isn't a, isn't a good youth team, one doesn't exist because they have, they, they have discipled these, their, their young people in their church, they're, they're next generation minded, they're great commission uh, people and so the next staff meeting after that youth mission team left, everybody in the room said amen, uh, they are the best team we've ever seen 
And so I would just uh, commend you as a church on the way in which you've discipled your young people. Man, today as we open up the Word, I'm excited for uh, this text uh, because it's the resurrection. And if you're a believer and not excited about the resurrection, you, you need to, your wood's wet. You need, to, uh, you need to get a temperature check. You need to see what's going on. And so here today as we break apart this text, as we look at this, big, this, this text, here's the big truth that I want us to walk away with. And the big truth is this, is that Jesus rose from the dead proving he is Lord. This morning, uh, Anthony read the text from Romans 10, 9 and 10 and said, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised his son from the dead, you will be saved. Man, that is a loaded statement. Because the first part of that statement, the second part rather, is that you believe in your heart that God raised his son from the dead. The dead, that is, that is pointing to the resurrection. And, and if you are a Christian, you are a Christian because you first have believed that Jesus raised, uh, God raised his son Jesus from the dead. That he was uh, crucified on the cross for your sins and so you have acknowledged that you're a sinner. Not acknowledging that your sin needs to be, uh, the price needs to be paid for or atoned for. We, we believe in what we would say is penal substitutionary atonement. That means Christ paid our penalty. He was our substitute and he atoned for our sin. And so that happens when we believe that Jesus was crucified and buried and he was resurrected. And his resurrection proves that he is Lord. There's your loaded statement. What does it mean that Jesus is Lord? You're confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You're confessing that Jesus is king, that he is ruler, that he's the ruler of your life. You're saying, I'm no longer in charge of my life. I'm laying it down at the feet of Jesus, and I'm making him the ruler and Lord of my life. He is the one I will live my life for. He is the one I will dedicate my life to. My life will be about Jesus and his kingdom and not my own. I'm laying down my life. I'm no longer trying to build my own little cardboard kingdom. But rather, I'm living for Jesus. I'm living for his kingdom. I'm living for his things. And I'm going to fulfill the things in which he said to me. So, Jesus' resurrection, what we're going to read about this morning, it's the proof in the pudding. It's showing us that he is Lord. Now, we'll break, we'll break, break apart this. Uh, in sections, and so we'll, we'll just sequentially kind of go through the text this morning. So read with me, starting in verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of week, so that's Sunday, that's why we worship on Sunday mornings, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, uh, this is not Mary, Jesus' mom, this is uh, uh, Mary, the mother of Joseph, uh, went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. That's an interesting detail. Like he rolled it back and sat on it like a boss. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, 
the big bad guards, the Roman guards, the centurion guards, it's not one guard, it's a number of guards. It's the elite guards of the day, the ba- the, these bad men, for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. And listen to this, come see the place where he lay. Here's my first big idea that I would show you today is that Jesus invites us to come and see that he is risen from the dead. Now, uh, Mary and Mary... They were sitting there across from the tomb when Jesus' body was put in it. They were sitting there. They watched the resurrection. You see, Mary and Mary, they weren't scared like some of the disciples who had run and, and were already in hiding. They sat there and they mourned and they wept as they watched this man whom they loved, who they believed was the Messiah, that was God's chosen one, as they watched him beat All the lashes on his back, all the blood coming off his back as they watched him be laid on the cross and his his hands and his feet nailed to it. As they watched it go up into the air, as they watched the crown of thorns put on his head, Mary sat there and she watched it and she wept and she, she would have been mourning and feeling much grief when the soldier took his spear and he put it in his side, Mary and Mary would have been there watching that spear pierce his flesh. They knew he was dead. They saw the spear go in and they saw his body not even flinch. They saw the water come out. They saw him taken off the cross and they watched him be put in that tomb. The text in in, in chapter 27 says they watched the stone be rolled into place. They knew he was dead. And as faithful followers of their Lord, just as Mary poured the incense on her hair and she washed Jesus' feet to serve him in the same way she was going to take and go to the tomb with fragrant uh, herbs and spices and make sure that his body was taken care of as it decomposed as would have been the tradition of the day. They go to the tomb wondering who is going to roll the stone away. How can, we, how can we talk the Roman guards into rolling the stone away? We can't move the stone so that we can go in and anoint him. Little did they know it was Jesus himself and his army of angels that would roll the stone away. And so they arrive at the tomb to an angel, a supernatural being, an angel of the Lord there, sitting on top, uh, shunning the, the Roman guards, the big bad soldiers, fearful 
stuck in their tracks, don't know what to do. They can only sit there in awe, scared of what is about to happen. And here's what I would show you is this supernatural work. This angel who could have said anything or done anything. You know what he said? Come and see. Come and look for yourself. Come and see. He's risen from the dead. He's resurrected. You come and see. Come and behold the risen Jesus. Come behold. The grave is empty. The tomb is empty. Come see. It is a supernatural work. Just like it was in that moment. Anytime any person feels this drawing of the Lord, this calling of the Lord, they hear their name called and they hear Jesus say to them, come and see. For the believers in the room, for those of you who have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised his son from the dead. I want you to think back for a second to the moment that you heard the invitation, come and see. Who gave that invitation? Was it a Sunday school teacher as a kid? Was it a parent? Was it a grandparent? I think I heard a kid say, yeah. Man, it would, it, would, it would bring me tears of joy to know that during uh, a family discipleship time in the FDP that a kid came and saw because their mom and dad said, come and see the Jesus that is risen. Maybe it was a preacher. Maybe it was a revival. Maybe it was a neighbor that knocked on your door. But remember, someone invited you to come and see just like the angel told Mary, come and see. It's a supernatural work when God calls us to come and see. And maybe I would ask you today. Maybe today the Lord is calling you. Maybe you don't know the Lord. You've never confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. May I convince you that the Lord raised his son from the dead. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crucified and buried on the cross. He bore our sin and shame. He paid the debt we paid. He, he paid the price for sin he did not commit. Sin that we did commit. He took our sin. He took our shame. He died on the cross. He was crucified and buried. His body was dead. His brain was not Working, his heart was not beating, the blood was not flowing through his veins. He laid in the grave for three days. His body would have been decomposing, rigor mortis having set in. And on that third day, in that moment, on the resurrection Sunday, God spoke and said, Rise from the dead. And sin and death and Satan were defeated. And his brain started working. And his heart started beating and his blood started running through his veins. And Jesus Christ got up out of that grave and walked out. He is Lord. 
He is king of kings. He is ruler of all things. He is the one who was and is to come. Come and see. Come and believe today. Maybe just maybe the Lord is calling the, causing the scales to fall off of your eyes. Friend, believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved. Verse 7. The angel said, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Here's the next big idea. Jesus commands his followers to go and tell that he is risen from the dead. Do you know that it is our natural response to go and tell? I was driving home late one night from Wyoming, driving to Fort Collins, and a mountain lion ran across the road in front of me. And that was like pumped me up. That was the most exciting thing that happened to me in weeks. And I was like, man, I got home. I was like trying to wake Jennifer up. She's asleep. It was like 1 a.m. I was like, a mountain lion ran across the road in front of me. The, the, the next morning, the boys come down. And say, Guess what I saw last night, boys? I saw a mountain lion. Just a few weeks ago. I'm about to brag a little bit. Uh, my boys were outside. John Owen was mowing the grass and James was weed eating. And all the dads in the room understand why that's bragging. I was inside, and they were outside mowing the grass and weed eating. It was incredible. It's an, it's an incredible piece of, like, uh, discipleship. Call it discipleship when you get to that point in life. And James comes running inside, and he's like, Dad, there's a bald eagle outside. And we see bald eagles, but not all the time. And I'm like, really? He goes, it's just circling. And he had told his brother, and he comes in, and he tells us, and you know what we do? I don't know what, I don't remember what I was doing. I stopped, I put it down, and we all run outside. And we're all standing in the yard, and we're watching this bald eagle fly over the house. I am sure there was a cat that it had its eyes on. It's just flying, it's circling. Neighbors are like driving up, and they're like, what are you guys looking at? We're like, it's a bald eagle. It's circling. It was, it was like an America moment. It's like I could almost hear the national anthem. When you see something that's like really cool... Your natural response is to go tell about it. If you're excited about it, you're going to talk about it. Amen? I'm not going to say anything about football. I'm not going to say anything about football. I'm not going to say anything about football. Mm. I got to make my mind go somewhere else. There's Krispy Kreme donuts in the Sunday school room. Food. All right, there we go. All right. If you're excited about it, you're going to talk about it. What, what you're passionate about is going to come out of you. Man, I've seen, I've seen grandparents. You get them grandbabies, and it's like you ain't never showed anybody a picture of anything on your phone. And all of a sudden, you're like, look, look, come and see. I got these grandbabies. They're the best thing ever. What you're passionate about, you're going to talk about it. More than that, it wasn't just, just to the, the angel say to them on behalf of Jesus, go and tell. I mean, it was, it was a command. It was a command from the angel through Jesus 
Verse 10, he uses the same, the same word. It's the same as the Great Commission, by the way, later. Go, that same go is the same go. Go. Go do it. In obedience to what I'm telling you, go. This isn't a suggestion. This is, this is Mary, who, Mary Magdalene, who is a follower of Jesus. He is Lord of her life. She says go, and he does it. It is, a, it is a command. Jesus commands his followers to go until he's risen from the dead. Man, when I found out, when I was, Mike was telling me about this weekend and that it was Neighbors and Nations weekend and that this is Share Week, I just thought it was a wonderful idea. And I asked some questions about Share Week and the challenge that you guys have. So from your three spheres of influence and the three names that you've put on cards that this week it's a challenge to invite them into an, a, a meal, invite them to do something and then share with them. It is a beautiful thing. And so I thought just for a second I would put out just four little pieces of encouragement as you do that this week. The first I would tell you is to invite them to come and see. Show them Jesus. Invite them to come and see. Your attitudes and actions this week as you show hospitality, as you open up the door, as you have conversations, your attitudes and actions need to be those of come and see. This is Jesus. This is what he's done. This is what he's, this is what he's done in my life. That, that might mean that in, in a way, in a conversation, you have to let your guard down a little bit. You have to let someone know that your life isn't all put together and that at times it's been a wreck. But Jesus, but the resurrected Jesus and his resurrected power has done this miracle in my life. Our attitudes and actions need to match the reality that Jesus is not in the grave. And that would just bring me to the second point, And that's share the gospel like it's good news. Because it is. You share the gospel like it's good news because it is truly good news. It's what the gospel means. That while we were sinners and we didn't deserve it and we deserve God's wrath and God's punishment. We got mercy and grace. But God being rich in mercy with which he loved us. By grace we've been saved through faith. This is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by our works but so that no one should boast. That it's not by works. This is good news. And so share the gospel like it's good news this week. Three. Depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in the power of yourself. Depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Not your ability to convince somebody that the resurrection is real. Man, I love apologetics. I, I hope you like apologetics, the formal defense of the faith. But man, so often we build up this false narrative in our head that to share the gospel with somebody or lead somebody to Christ means we're going to have to convince them of it. I want you to understand it is the power of the Holy Spirit drawing them under their self, working into their, in their hearts that saves them. It is God who saves Failure to witness, failure to share is only, the only way you can do that is by uh, failing to share, by not sharing, by, by not proclaiming the goodness of Christ. Here's the fourth thing, is that to make the best use of the time. 
Ephesians 5.16, Paul says, make the best use of the time before it because the days are evil. James 4.14 says, but life is but a vapor, so do the will of God. Make the best use of the time. You just don't know. Here, here is just the absolute truth. Time management matters. Now, I'm going to talk football for a second, but I'm going to pick on the University of Kentucky. Are we all okay with that? All right. Mark Stoops is an incredible recruiter and a good coach, but he's a horrible game manager. And you'll watch plays, and he'll let 30 seconds go off the clock before he calls a timeout sometimes. And you're like, what are you doing? You, you needed to call a timeout 30 seconds ago. Time is precious. It's ticking down. And like Kentucky, you're behind. You were ahead, but you blew your lead, and now you're, you're we, we call it Kentuckying, Right? They've like lost the lead and you need to catch back up and your time management of the clock, you're, you're letting this game slip away. Man, life is like that. The clock is ticking. You, you don't know when your next opportunity or your last opportunity to share the gospel is going to be. And I'll be personal here for a second. I've, I've got a, a, a brother, he's 12 years older than me, his name is Stephen, and he, uh, man, we, we've always, I, I've shared the gospel with him many times and have, have had a burden to do so, but man, I just did not feel as if he was, uh, had a relationship with the Lord, and we would talk through things and his answers would all, always only give me more worry and pause, and so I, I've would just tell you that I have, I've had the conversation with him, but man, I, I've had other times and other conversations where I've been distracted and talked about other things, talked about our, our hobbies, our families, and, and, and let moments pass by. About a month ago, I got a call um, saying, my brother was in the hospital, he had had like a mild heart attack, and he had some fluid around his, his heart, and he's made great, great health. 51, but eats healthy, is taking care of his body, his BMI is where it should be. I mean, good health. You would not think this guy's going to have a heart attack. I get a call on a Friday. I had just attended a funeral of a 15-year-old boy who had been killed in a UTV crash. He's leaving that funeral. I got a phone call that said, hey, your brother's having to have emergency surgery. His, his, his heart has stopped. They don't know what's, what's wrong. They're going in to put this little pump in to keep it working. That was on a Friday. Long story short, he came out of that surgery okay, but it was like, this is touch and go. This is not necessarily like a good thing. And so I got, a plane on, I got on a plane on Sunday, and I went there, and I, I got up on Monday morning, and I ran around that hospital seven times praying, like, the Lord, take the walls down in his heart. Spiritual heart, and I went in there that Monday, and I, I, I shared the gospel with him, and I talked through things one final uh, time with him. I was going, this is going to be it, I'm putting it all on the line, and he said, I'm trusting uh, Jesus as Lord for salvation. And, and about the time I was about to say, well, what's that mean that Jesus is Lord? A nurse walked in. Here's the truth, my brother is still in the hospital. He had open heart surgery on Friday, he's still sedated and intubated, and his chest is still open, and they're waiting to close him up. He's sitting at Emory University in Atlanta as we speak just like that. 
There's clock management that has to happen. You just don't know. You've got three names on that list, and you don't know when you're going to get that phone call. Man, I consider it a grace of God, a mercy of God, that he's kept my brother alive so that I could have that conversation with him, that I could continue praying with him. I could continue trying to to make sure that he's in a place. The, The clock is ticking. You do not know. Life is but a vapor. It is here, and then it is gone. Every one of us has a start date and an end date. And we, we know the start date. We celebrate the start date. But we are clueless about the end date. So we have to manage the clock. Time is precious. So I'm just going to tell you. Your, your church and their wisdom. Your pastors and their wisdom have said this is share week. We're going to do it. We're calling you to it. We're inviting you to it. Do it. Make it happen. Take a day off work to hang out with somebody if you need to. Schedule a, uh, go play golf. Go do whatever it takes to get them to a place they can hear and share the gospel. Because it is worth it. You love them. You want to call them. You want to say to them, come and see. And this would be the result. Verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. And here's the next big idea is that when you believe in Jesus, you worship him. You've heard the the John Piper quote probably that says missions exist because worship doesn't. This is the call for us is to come to the feet of Jesus and worship him. This is how you know you've met the Lord. You take hold of his feet and worship him. This, this is what, this is the desire that we have. This is the desire that we, when we call Jesus Lord, that means we're no longer calling the things that, we, the other things, the idols in our life that we worship Lord. We're calling Jesus Lord. And when we lay that down, we know that it is like walking out of slavery and bondage of the things of the world into a moment of freedom back into a slavery to Christ and we know what that feels like as a believer it's a beautiful thing to call Jesus Lord is, 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 a, is a, a, a thing that we are so thankful for that creates this adoration in our heart this thanksgiving in our heart when we sing songs psalms and hymns and spiritual songs uh, the book Paul says in the book of Colossians we should do so with this thankfulness in our heart that's what worship is. Our worship is when our mind's attention and our heart's affection are on the Lord for who he is and what he's done for us. And so when we encounter Jesus the way they encounter Jesus, when Mary and them see him there, they take hold of his feet. And he then again says, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. And so they do. They worship and then they're obedient. They're worship and then they're obedient. That's what we come together on the first day of the week. To encounter Jesus, to worship, and then we're called as we leave to go be obedient. We come to worship and then we go be obedient. But for many of us, we fail to do that, don't we? We come... We sing some songs and we socialize 
And for a few minutes, we put our mind on Jesus and we leave and we fail to go and tell. Verse 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all, they, all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people. Tell people. I go and tell, tell people. His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. And here's my next big idea is that Satan has one goal. To cause unbelief. Satan is a liar. Satan is a low down rotten good for nothing dirty devil dog lying son of a gun. He's a liar. And his whole goal is to go at the resurrection was to cause unbelief. Our command, our call from God is to believe, isn't it? It's to believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved, right? It's to believe in the resurrection of the Lord and that he defeated death and Satan. And, and Satan, his only, he, he, he can't win, right? So his only goal is to cause unbelief. Ultimately, all sin is the sin of unbelief. Every, every sin, everything we do in life, Satan is throwing those things at us to pile up the unbelief. That's his goal. Here's the truth. There's every person in this, book, this room has lies that they believe. Every person. Man, some of those came from childhood. They, they, they came in, in moments when your parent or grandparent yelled something at you and they told you that you were unfit or you weren't this or you weren't that or that you were stupid and you've believed that lie. Man, maybe, maybe it was a, a maybe you're a, 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 a woman in this church and there was a moment in high school where a guy used you and abused you and he told a lie that basically said, you are worthless, you don't matter. He stole something from you he should not have stole. He, and from that moment, Satan has been in your ear telling you lies. All of us believe lies that we shouldn't. And the goal for Satan in all of those lies is to put unbelief in our hearts. And it's the same thing, it's the same old dirty trick that he used right here to say, the resurrection isn't real, Roman soldiers cover, cover your rear ends, go do this, go do that. Let's spread this lie of unbelief and we all have things in our lives that we don't believe. So we all need to pray, Lord, show us the lies we believe about Satan. Rid us of those lies. So many things in my life that cause me stress and anxiety today are rooted in things that I, I didn't believe because of something that happened in my childhood. Something that for years Satan has been in my ear going. And so we need to ask the Lord to show us and we need to repent of the unbelief and believing the lies of Satan in our heart. 
I would argue that the reason we don't share the gospel, or the reason why it's hard for us to share the gospel is because we believe a lie that Satan has told us. When the Lord called us, we felt this call to go and plant Overland Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Satan got in my ears. And he started saying lies to me. I, I, would, I started to say, well, what, what would happen if we fail? What if we go out there and, and uh, we can't, we, we can't like make it as a family? We can't make a living. What if we go out there and no one likes us? What if we go out there and no one will listen? No one will hear? What happens if we fail? And it just like... What happens if you're hated? What happens if you're cussed out? What happens if you're, you're, you're American, like in an American way, persecuted for your faith? You're going to be a failure. You're going to go and you're going to go plant this church and it's not going to work. And you're going to be out there and it's going to put your family through all sorts of just hell. It's going to be horrible. And, and you're, you're going to, after three years, tuck it up and, and, and have to go home tell Wagner as a failure. That's the lie. You're going to share the gospel. You're going to tell people about Jesus and they're going to laugh in your face. They're going to hate you for what you believe. And the lie that I would believe in that is that it would be okay to be unobedient. I mean, the Lord brought me to a place that, that said, listen... I've called you to do this. The only way that you can fail is by not doing it. And if you go there and, and people hate you and they spit in your face and, and you're not able to plant a church and all this, it doesn't matter because you were obedient. It doesn't matter because you're doing what I've called you to do. Our obedience is what matters. So I would ask you, what lies are you believing? What fear is based on a lie? Remember, right up there, he tells her. First thing he says to her is, do not be afraid. And then go and tell. Often our fear is based on a lie. And we fear to share the gospel because Satan convinces us of a bunch of lies. And so, like, what are the excuses? What are the lies that Satan has put in your head about this week? And ask the Lord to rid you of unbelief in your heart. Share the gospel this week. Because Jesus is worthy as your worship. Because you came and you saw him. You saw the resurrection, resurrected Jesus. And you believed. And now you must go and tell. Not out of duty. But out of delight. Because you get to. Not because you have to. No one's going to reject you at this church if you come back next week and haven't shared the gospel or if you tried and failed or if you didn't lead anybody. Or no one's going to reject you. But man, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna feel, you're going you're gonna to be blessed. You're going to see this week as, as you share the gospel that it is part of being obedient to the Savior. And it is a, a, a gift that God gives us to share of who he is. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come back up as I put forth one last big idea. And it's really more of just a commandment. It's not mine. I'm not commanding you to do it. It's what the Lord commands. 
And he commands this, believe in Jesus as Lord and live your life in obedience to him. It's the greatest way to live your life. Believe in Jesus as Lord. Call on him today. Call on Jesus as Lord. Confess with your mouth that he is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised his son from the dead. And he will save you. And those who have have called out on the name of the Lord. Go and do as he told. It's Mary Mary and Mary. Mary Magdalene. As they ran down the road to tell the other disciples. Imagine what was flowing out of their hearts to share the great news that Jesus the King, Jesus the Lord, Jesus the one whom they followed was truly resurrected as he said he would. Imagine them as they're running down the road saying, no, the grave couldn't hold him. He was dead and now he's alive. Believe in the Lord Jesus today. And be safe. Father, we love you. And we thank you for your word. It is truth. May it be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And may we hide it in our hearts that we would not sin against you. May we live by it. May we read it and also heed it. Lord, this morning as we've come, may we not be like a man who looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like, but a man who sees himself and goes away remembering, God, we remember your word and what it says, God, would you put a burning passion and fire in us today for the things of you. Lord, may we share this week. May our actions and our attitudes reflect the goodness of the gospel that we believe. Lord, move and work in Tri-Cities Baptist Church. Lord, move and work in Bristol and Johnson City and Kingsport and Gray. God, in, in this area, God, to our neighbors, would you move and work? Would you let people this week come to faith in you, God? Lord, as we, as this church shares your word, would it not return void, but would people believe it? Receive it as they've been invited to come and see, God, would you cause the scale to fall off of their eyes? Would you draw their hearts to you? Lord, I know this is Neighbors in Nations Week, God, and we want the nations to be glad. And we want to see people be called to the nations, God. We want to see people from this church called to go to the ends of the earth so that, that, that people would worship and believe But Lord, please don't let us be a people who would willingly go to the nations without walking across the street and sharing the gospel with our neighbor. Lord, move and work this week. In Jesus' name, amen.